All right. Welcome back to Our Human Experience. Melissa and I are sitting here today, and I have a feeling this conversation is going to be an interesting one. The, the topic today is going to be around failure. Specifically, fear around failure, the value of failing, other ways to frame failure in your language, in your mind, and then even diving into what each of us perceive as a failure or not a failure, which can be kind of tricky in our little chat proceeding, (laughs) hitting the recording button. We're already kind of diving into it. So I said, let's just do this. Let's just click record and we'll rock and roll. Actually, Melissa said, let's just do this. Uh, But we appreciate you guys joining us today. We're going to talk about failure. So I guess out of the gate, how would you define failure, Melissa? I think so in the, you know, when we were talking before we hit record, to me, failure is when something is, goes the complete opposite way of what you intended or expected, um, as far as like business goes or relationships go, like they can no longer sustain Mm -hmm. where it's, you need to close them or end them, um, I guess there's more black and white examples, like you're taking a test and you literally don't know the answers. Um, I have a hard time with this though, because I don't, like I said earlier, I don't really feel like I've ever truly failed, like flat on my ass fail. Mm. Uh, And maybe that's just how I look at failure or how I perceive the things that have happened in my life. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into this conversation with you because I think we have a little bit of a differing opinion on how how to define it. So I'm interested to hear your definition. Hmm. So I think I think I think like a lot of things in our world that failure lives on a spectrum. So when I hear you say you don't feel as though you've ever failed, to me it sounds like you're looking at failure as predominantly a polarized binary black and white type thing where there is failure, loss of relationship, the business closes, the you fail the test or whatever those, those things are. And then there's success right on these two ends of the spectrum. To me, not being able to really fully fulfill what a goal was in the way that you envisioned it, that could also be construed as failure by some people. And I don't know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I have a really clear definition personally for for what failure is. It's more of a feeling for me of something not being, how do I want to phrase this? Not even as expected because that carries a that carries an air of, of like, well, I expect things to be this way, so it should be this way. Otherwise, it's not good. Mm-hmm. But at least as in as I intended or or saw them playing out in my head, like I didn't get that that we didn't achieve this this part of it. And maybe it wasn't an all out failure mm-hmm. uh, in regards to kind of your life crumbling around you, yeah. right? But it it also wasn't a success. So is failure defined as not the success you had envisioned? 
in in any way, shape, yeah. or form. And that's where it starts to become a spectrum to me. So I think that there's we talk about. I know you talk to your clients a lot about this, and in general, we'll talk about failures being reframed as lessons or opportunities. Absolutely. And it's a great way to to rephrase it because the reality is that you can't really find success all the time in 100% of the things you do or you won't really know what success is, right? Sure. The, the lack of the opposing force makes it really hard to recognize the thing that you're after, mm-hmm. right? And that's where, to me, it's more of a spectrum, but I also resonate with what you said prior to recording about feeling like you've never really failed. And even when you were first opening up your explanation that you're feeling like you've never really failed. Well, like and I, really don't know that, your ass. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad or negative thing. To me, the word failure is binary. It's finite. It's like, this didn't happen, so I'm done. And that, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to think about anything, but... I look at that and I appreciate the spectrum idea. And I also view all that middle space as not more or less of a failure, but as an opportunity to learn and grow. Hmm. So to me, failure is failure and success are more binary words, I guess. They're more, they're things that I view as points of arrival, positively or negatively, however you're perceiving them. Um, But looking at that spectrum as where, you know, where am I landing and what does that mean? Mm. So the more I've gotten into and we've talked more about mindfulness and meditation and being present and Like, I'm trying to take the things that would sometimes be viewed as failures as more of lessons and not to just make those, like, woo-woo, just, you know, it's just a lesson or an opportunity to grow. Like, I truly believe those things. And I think that everything does happen to for a reason in some aspect, so... If you did expect something to happen in a certain way and then it doesn't, I think the opportunity to learn why and where your shortcomings were, like, did you, were you prepared enough for it? Did you, do you know, on a business sense, like, did you do enough rollout so the community knew about your new product? Did you, like, what are all the things that you can learn from and maybe do differently the next time? So I understand, I appreciate the spectrum, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it in like how I perceive sure. um, things that have happened in my life and, and what some people would view as failures. Fair enough. Uh, as you were, were talking, kind of a thought creeped into my, my mind about maybe a, an easier way to wrap our head around success versus failure, which is looking at individual moments and the difference between success or failure in a moment versus over the course of your life. And you kind of touched on that by Mm -hmm. saying, you know, this, you have a, a, 
vision of how something's going to work out, whether it's a relationship or maybe you're an athlete and it's a competition or a game that you're playing in or you're a business owner or whatever. You want to get a job. Or, yeah, you're yeah. applying for a job. You have this vision of how it's going to work out and then it doesn't. And in that moment, it doesn't, or at least it doesn't work out to your expectations. Maybe it doesn't work out at all or it's just not the way you had, had looked at it. And in that moment, it could, it could very easily be construed as a failure, a momentary failure that then as time goes by, evolves into a success. So the job example is a great one. You go to apply for a job that you feel as though would be a great opportunity. It's a great fit for you. You go in, you do the interview, you feel like it went really well. You had a lot of things in your, in your favor, like this is it, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to succeed in getting this job. And then you don't. Mm-hmm. And in that moment when you find out that you didn't get the job, it's definitely going to feel like a failure. It's going to feel binary for most people. Fast forward several months, a year, whatever, whatever the timeline is, and a different opportunity presents itself and you move Mm -hmm. on to a different career path. It's more fulfilling, Mm -hmm. checks all the boxes that, that you were checking before, but in a in a different way and with a company or with a path that you just feel better about in general. And now you can look back and say, man, I'm glad I didn't get that, that other job six months ago at this place that it's really hard in the moment to quote unquote, know whether something is ultimately a success or a failure. They're all just, I guess, just opportunities, right? They're all, they're all just chances for you to either learn or, to grow or to, you know, find some mm-hmm. happiness and joy in in a win in that moment. It could be any of those things or all of them. Yeah. All at once. When it comes back to being aware of what's happening and then reflecting on what's happened too. So looking back and saying, you know, wow, my friend got, we both applied for that job. He got the job. He's working his ass off. He never sees his kids. And what I thought would be a great opportunity, I feel like I would have been miserable in. Or, you know, come to find out that that boss who I thought, you know, I agreed with and appreciated didn't, you know, his approach really wasn't a good fit for me. You know, starting to look back at those things and and seeing where you might have, you know, played up some of the the benefits um, so that the failure becomes more of a lesson as opposed to something that crushes you. Right? Sure. Um. I think it's also fair to talk about that some things are true failures. Some things are, you know, you 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 talked about um, was it Jay Z yesterday that put in you know a lot of money into a business opportunity and then it just completely flopped. Like, yeah, I'm sure that was an opportunity for him to learn some some ways to, you know accept responsibility or making thing you know make sure that he doesn't make the same mistakes going forward. There was definitely opportunity and lessons in there but there are some things where you just i just lost millions of dollars like that that's really you know that might be chalked up as a a failure um we were speaking to i think the the point that i was trying to make was this understanding of of momentary recognition of success or failure because moving on it's really hard to to know what it's going to be and i think we've said it on this podcast before i saw a, a friend of ours actually post 
the story, and I always kind of mess it up a little bit, but the, the gist is is the same, and I've, I've shared it with a number of our coaches and our clients, uh, and it's a fable about a, a farmer who um, his, his fence breaks and his horses get away, and his neighbors say, oh, how unlucky, how unfortunate, mm-hmm. you know, all of your, your horses ran away, what are you going to do now? And his response is, good or bad, who's to say? The next day, the horses return, and they've they've brought 20 other wild horses with them. He mends the fence, and now he's got, you know, 24 horses instead of just four they had before. What great luck is bestowed upon you? Mm-hmm. How, how, how fortunate you are. Good or bad, who's to say? His son, trying to break one of the horses, uh, falls off and, and breaks his arm. What a tragedy. Who's to say? Mm-hmm. We just get this cycle going on that the army comes to recruit his son to go fight a war. They won't take him because he has a broken arm or a broken leg. I don't remember what it was. And again, what what fortunate luck you have. And it's who's to say. So that's mm-hmm. I, I think that's where when I look at, at failure, what I've tried to understand for myself personally, and I, don't, mm-hmm. I have not always looked at it this way. Um, it, it's been a, a relatively newer more recent thing in my life to try and draw attention to it in this way is that it's really hard virtually impossible i would say to really understand the value of any outcome in that moment Mm -hmm. whether or not that outcome i mean how many people win the lottery and then go on to have their lives ruined (laughs) right so there's there's it's really difficult for us to to truly understand what, what something, what the outcome is going, how it's going to play out for the rest of our lives and how it's going to impact the rest of our lives ultimately in our ability to to truly find balance and harmony and joy in our life and and be able to also welcome in some of the difficulties and the struggles and the pain and the stuff that goes al- alongside all the good things. Yeah. Right? Because we do need both in order to recognize one or the other. Absolutely. Right? If you're happy Absolutely. all the time, then you're just nothing. Yeah. Right? If you're all special, then no one's special. Mm-hmm. Right? You have, there has to be a polarizing effect at some point for us to be able to see what that thing is and to feel it, whether good or bad, however well, and you perceive that's, it. I think that's a huge point is being aware and like owning these feelings and being able to recognize them and actually let yourself feel them and then managing you know, appropriate ways to cope with them. You know, a lot of people fail at something and then there's, you know, binge drinking or, you know, whatever. Unhealthy ways to cope with those feelings instead of sitting with them, recognizing them, reflecting on them, and then being able to ultimately learn from that situation. Which is, I mean, that's that's the big thing is our ability to draw lessons and... We do, human beings, the collective we, we do tend to learn better from pain and suffering and quote unquote failure than we do from mm-hmm. from joy and, you know, pleasant feelings and yeah. successes. We, we have a tendency to learn a deeper lesson yeah. when something hurts a little bit or uh, when something's really difficult. And it's an interesting caveat that we're stuck in when, when that happens because I think what ends up happening and, I, and this is a nice bridge to our next 
point here is there's a lot of fear around failing. I know that I carry a and ton judgment of fear. from yeah. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. part of the fear comes from yeah. judgment of yourself, judgment yeah. from other people in being allowed to be human and to be well, fallible. And, you know, and social norms. Like, you get married, you're supposed to stay married. So if your relationship, quote unquote, fails, then... What does everybody say about that? Sure. Right? Even if it is ultimately a better thing for you or your spouse or your kids, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's the, the fear and judgment from others is is a huge piece of why people don't push boundaries and get to the point where they may fail. They sit in, in quote-unquote comfortable scenarios even if they hate it. Sure. And... Again, I'm going to point out they sit in familiar scenarios, yeah. not, necessarily not necessarily comfortable. comfortable. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're comfortable, maybe they're not. And this is a, another opportunity for me, personally, to be just very honest and, and vulnerable here. This is something I really struggle with, and having part of the way that I grew up was very much connected to this idea of success in terms of like always always doing the right thing always getting the good grade those are the the things Mm -hmm. that i did um have praise around you know and as we talked about in in my interview there was a lot of other things that i didn't get praise around and things like that but where i what was it ultimately ingrained in me was a fear of failure without me actually knowing it and i i can look back now you talked about being reflective I can look back now and see how because one, things came relatively easily to me. I was a a fast learner in most Mm -hmm. areas of life and I was relatively competent in most areas of life. I, I wouldn't say that I was, that I excelled really in any one facet of whether it's education or athletics or whatever it didn't matter there wasn't anything when i was growing up that i was a real standout in but i was pretty good at most things that i at least Mm -hmm. attempted what ended up happening is when it got to a point where this is going to be really hard and you may or may not continue to be successful with it i gave up Mm -hmm. and not always in a like i quit scenario but in some facet of well i'm just gonna fuck off in class because once i got to you know ap calculus and ap physics my teacher's boring so i can't pay attention Mm -hmm. well maybe it just got difficult right for the first time and up until that point i put almost zero work into into my academic efforts right and as as i hit a certain threshold where it started to be really hard for me it was easier for me to kind of fuck off and like skip class and sleep during class and same thing playing musical instruments. So I started to play the drums, same scenario played out, started to play the guitar, same scenario played out. Getting involved in athletics, I I stuck to that for a while and I found success for a while mainly because I had been so removed from it um, that I had a lot of like beginner's growth available Mm -hmm. to me. For, for a while, so I was able to find success, not to say that I didn't try and I didn't work hard, but it wasn't something that I really had to overcome. And you ta- talked about this earlier about 
not really experiencing failure, at least not feeling like you had experienced that kind of fall down on your ass, mm-hmm. your bottom out, like, you know, backs against a wall sort of scenario, that sort of failure. I don't think I have a lot of familiarity with it. And and I think that what you're talking about, a lot of people will resonate with that. they That's where some self-sabotage starts to creep in. Absolutely. And you start to say, okay, I, I don't want I want people to think I decided not to succeed, not because I couldn't Not because I couldn't, yeah. Right? I killed this. Yeah. Um, I think, too, for me, like, visions of success have changed drastically as I've gotten older. So I think for a lot of people, for a lot of people, um, success is getting a specific job and making a certain amount of money and having a certain amount of, like we have visions of what quote unquote successful people look like. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's become, you know, having better relationships and being more available for my kids and, you know, living a life that I want to be living, not that I feel like I have to be living. So I think too, like looking at what what was taught to you is really important um and then what you know your visions of success actually look like so. yeah um it's so I, I like what you're what you're talking about you're alluding to this idea that it's a like many things it's a moving target or at least it should be because what yeah. what i would view as successful when i'm 18 I hope would be very different when I'm 28. Yeah. And it's certainly different now when I'm almost well, 40. Yeah. And, and so as you as you continue to grow, it's odd almost to cling to the exact same vision of what success is. Well, and, and we I know some people that do that. Yeah. As yeah. do you. They, they had yeah. an idea back when they were, you know, 20 yeah. of what their career and family should look like and all these sort of things. Yeah. And they're continually striving toward that thing. And this is also where it gets weird because then it starts to sound like, so should you not strive for a long time toward a goal? And the answer is maybe. It should be malleable. It should be flexible for sure. And I think like, so it's interesting, like our dynamics growing up were so different. And I think our like thoughts when it comes to failure are different and it's playing out in different ways. So where you saw self-sabotage because maybe you thought, you know, in some subconscious way that your mom would stop recognizing you altogether if you weren't that successful version of yourself or you didn't want judgment about not being as successful as you normally are. I grew up where you, there was like, I guess a safety net for lack of better words. Like you could try things, but if you failed, like, I knew my family, my parents would always be there. But I feel like in some sense, that was limit, like, that limited me where I didn't, I don't know how to describe this. So, like, I feel like they would catch me for, like, small falls. But, like, we've talked about being risk averse or, like, looking at bigger risks and some of the things we've done in our life where I... I feel like I wouldn't have thought about those things on my own without you. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's some some self-limiting stuff in my brain where 
it's coming back to like, how far can I fall before the people that have been there for me are like, well, that's just too big, you know? So where I stop myself from even trying to push that far. I don't know. It's the, this is like coming to me now, but I don't have a full grasp on this thought, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting how I, the way you are raised and what you see, I think plays out in a lot of these things. And how you react to it. Mm -hmm. Because there's people that, you know, you have siblings. I have siblings. There's people that are, that will come up in the exact same home and presumably had most of the same experiences, at least, you know, on paper. And their reaction to those things are different. So it's interesting to hear you, the way you describe your relationship with failure, whereas a lot of people might say, well, hell, if I knew I have a safety net, then swing for the fucking fences. Like, I'm going to go big because I know someone will catch me versus they catch me so often, I feel like I, I don't well, and want to fail big because they're trying not to let me fail at all. So should is failure bad? Is, well, like, and is, I is also that what I'm grew up, You know, I also grew up wanting to make my parents proud. You know, my dad was the dad that was like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. And that crushed you more than anything, mm -hmm. you know? So, so looking at, you know, taking those bigger leaps and then, and I've done a lot of them and our parent, my parents have been there alongside us for a lot of it. Most all of it. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, like there's, I feel like there's, there's some self-limiting stuff and I don't even know if my parents would react that way or if it's just me. Sure. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's unique. So I brought up the idea of fear around failure because, mm -hmm. you know, we're all going to have some aversion to it. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when you don't get the girl, when you don't get the job, when you have to shutter the doors to your business, when you, yeah. all of those things suck. When you have to explain to someone else, you see, like you said, publicly, you have to go out and admit that you screwed something up or that you got something wrong or yeah. whatever it was. Hey, we made this and decision. It's harder, it's harder to come back and try that again the second time. Absolutely. You know, or, or the times after. It can be. It can be. Unless you start to change your relationship with it. So you and I also have the luxury of knowing a lot of people who really embrace failure and they embrace learning and the opportunity that failure brings with it, right? They embrace the fact that I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to act in a quick, messy way mm -hmm. and fail quickly. I'm going to fail quickly and often so that I can learn. And then next thing you know, I've learned so many lessons in such a short period of time mm -hmm. that I'm finding this degree of quote unquote success. Right. And people are wondering, how did I do that? How, you know, how did I get so far within such a relatively short period of time? And this is definitely something for, you know, for myself that I have a hard time integrating into my life. I understand it. I, I see it. I see the value of it. Like I said, we know a handful of very successful people that preach this exact message of fail frequently, you know, fail often and fail quickly. And then you continue to grow. It's big in the tech industry too. They mm -hmm. get just all of these places where 
you see people find success that seems overnight, right? Right. Um, in reality, it wasn't. And in reality, it, it's probably the fifth iteration or tenth iteration well, of I mean, whatever there's it is lots, that they're there's doing. There's lots of famous failures that you can read about. Sure. You know, that you could pull some of that inspiration from and saying, okay, yeah, this person was 45 when they started this company. And I'm only 26 and I'm upset that I am not as successful. Or, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. You know, sure. like things like that where it's, you know, there's there's some that you can reflect on and say, okay, you know, maybe there is another opportunity for me. Yeah. And I think it's also important to point out that around that fear, recognizing that different people have different variables within their life that they have to pay attention to, right? There's a lot, there's a huge difference between you and I being 25 with no kids and no dependents taking a big risk on opening our own business and moving like, you know, moving back across the country and living in a basement and doing all that's different than if we had had children at that point. It doesn't mean we couldn't have done the same thing. You know, we've had this conversation a number of times that we do have choice. You always Mm -hmm. have choice. And with that choice comes a different set of consequences based on what your life currently looks like going back to that jay-z story the other day it was from one of the uh, books that i was reading they were talking about i think it was called title was the name of the company that he had uh, tried to start which was a music streaming company and it was uh, from what i understand supposed to be run by artists and help support artists and all this other stuff um but he put something to the tune of $56 million into it. And and it totally flopped. Mm-hmm. And the book that I'm reading talks about the some of the reasons behind that being uh, the way, the, the storytelling behind their brand and who they were really mm-hmm. talking about and propping up as the hero versus what they should have done. That's all kind of besides the point. It puts it into perspective when you and I look back at this last year and we're like, Jesus Christ, there's like, $70,000 worth of shit that we've invested in that we probably should not have done. That is not necessarily, it was, the idea was there. It made sense in the moment. Mm-hmm. So we said, fuck it, let's do it. Let's risk it. Let's let's go in mm-hmm. on this thing. And then it was like, oops. And we look at that as like, that's a very large amount of money to have, sure. to, you know, to have lost or wasted in those lessons. Meanwhile, you have other people, obviously much greater means, but to have lost a thousand times that. Sure. Right. It's like, it's, it's nuts to think about the perspective of it. And I think that, but it is important for people, I didn't mean to cut you off, but my point is it's important for people to recognize that your risk tolerance and your openness to failure will and should be determined by what your life looks like and what you're willing to. Mm-hmm. to let your life look like. Absolutely. Right? And that may change from as years go by and as, as your yeah. situation changes. I think there's a lot of times where people will look to someone they admire and be like, oh, look, at they did that. They risked everything. You know, they did this. Elon Musk went bankrupt four times or whatever. Well, you're not Elon Musk. Maybe that's not the best <laughs> route for you. Or maybe it is. Just mm-hmm. understand what, if it doesn't work out for you, what yeah. that looks like. What would everyone be saying about 
Elon if nothing he did yeah. moved forward, if he just failed. Mm-hmm. It would be a different right. story, right? And so it's important to recognize that because a lot of times I think that there's this narrative that you should feel bad if you're not swinging for the fences and failing big. It's just like anything else. There's risk to reward. And sure. the bigger you risk, the bigger the potential reward. And the bigger the potential consequence. Sure. And so there's a lot to be said about that risk tolerance and what what actually makes sense in your life, what makes sense in your mind, according to the people that yeah. you are responsible for, the people you're responsible to, mm-hmm. you know, including yourself. I think the biggest the biggest way you can learn from anything when it comes to failure is by accepting some sort of responsibility for what happened, right? So if you just walk around and say, well, you know, this is just life. Life just shits on me all the time and I'm just going to fail no matter what I do, then you're never going to see those lessons. You're never going to learn from these things. But if you say, okay, you know, I could have done this differently or I could have invested this money differently or I should have really done some research before I bought that thing or, you know, whatever whatever you're doing, right, that you're failing at or perceived failing at, looking back and being, you know, being able to parse out what were the appropriate moves I did? What were some things that could be changed going forward? If I, if I was presented with this situation again, how could I make it different? Yeah. Right? And I think that's really the only way you can truly make these things lessons and opportunities. Because if you're just, if you're, you know, walking around saying things like, well, you know, this just always happens to me, then it's going to keep happening to you. Sure. There's a mindset piece to it. A hundred percent. And if you have that kind of martyrdom, victimhood mindset, that's really hard. And that's something that I personally struggle with and have gotten into a better place with that in the last few years. But there very, there very much was a narrative in, in my mind that well, can... you are destined to be a failure. Like this is what your life looks like. You will always struggle. You will always struggle for money. You will always struggle for love. You will always struggle for connection with people. That's what we do. We struggle. We're not one of the lucky people that, you know, were born with a silver spoon. Like statements like that, that I was told a lot growing up, well, born with a silver spoon, basically to imply that this person doesn't have hardship to contend with or that somehow, you know, because they had a leg up here or there, that they're destined to do better than you. Right. And we all know fundamentally and logically that that's not actually true. There's tons of very unhealthy, very unhappy, wealthy people. Sure. Right. And there's tons of people who had opportunities as young people as a result of their families or connections or things that were dropped in their lap that squandered those opportunities and did nothing with them. And there's people that rose from nothing. They had yeah. absolutely no advantages and no opportunities, yeah. and they found a way to get there. So it's it's interesting, those little statements, how much they can oversimplify something. Like, I'm not here to say, hey, yeah, if you were born, if you were born into an upper middle class or a, a semi-wealthy family, your parents stayed married together, you went to a good school, you had, those are definitely advantages to someone who is born to a broken home or they're going through the foster system in in their Mm -hmm. state and they live in an impoverished neighborhood and they have shitty schools they go to and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, all these other challenges stacked up against them. You know, person A 
definitely has some external advantages and opportunities and access to things and resources that person B does not. That alone does not dictate or their ability yeah, yeah. to find success or failure. Um, it, it, it plays a role, but by itself it doesn't. And I think that's where it gets a little confusing because a lot of people want to pin it to, well, you were born you know, to this family with this amount of affluence and this, right. that, and the other thing. And I mean, especially in this country, you could turn around and say, well, you were born in arguably the most affluent country in the world yeah. in the best time to be born in this country. Like, so you had a lot of things stacked up against yeah. you. You could have been born in the, you know, the slums of India or right. in the middle of fucking nowhere, Afghanistan. Like you, right. there's a lot of things that could have happened for you as well, even if you're someone who was born on the bottom rung, so to yeah. say, of, of well, our there's, society. There's plenty of you know, underdog stories where, you know, people do come from impoverished neighborhoods, broken families, and they are wildly successful. And those are, and, and a lot of so, those are ones that you hear about because they're very, very famous and have made a lot of money or they have notoriety. Right. How many people come from those sort of environments and grow up and just and have the, a good family? They're a good or, or the mother fir- or father. You know, the they're first good, one in their family to go to college or, you know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the success yeah. for them looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. That you don't hear about necessarily. Those right. are not widely publicized. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's interesting that we that we understand this, yet there's still a fear. There's still an apprehension to move forward to it. Personally, I think one of the big factors that contributes to that right now is social media. And the, the way that that, I mean, your failures are highlighted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you and, can't hide from them. And not only, not only highlighted, but They're they live, They're they live on yeah. in infamy. Yeah. They, they don't go away. And, right. and you know, we had a, a, a birthday party for our youngest last weekend. And, you know, one of our friends, Mikey and I were talking about this at like, holy shit, could you imagine growing up the way him and I did if everyone had a phone with a video camera on it. You'd definitely be in jail. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Both of us would be, you know, and or not, or we wouldn't have done any of the things that we did. So it's not just about yeah. like how much more trouble can you get into because you're being scrutinized and everyone's videotaping you it's and how everyone stunted could. Are you? Yeah. How yeah. how I can't even tell you. I'm a pretty outspoken person in terms of saying what I think, especially when asked. And I've tried to be better about how I do it mm-hmm. in recent years so that as to not offend people too much that I've actually heard. And that was a big thing that you've helped point out to me over the years that I need to do better with that so that if I'm delivering a message that's valuable, it's not just immediately shut out because I'm acting like an asshole or saying it in a rude way. Um, but when I, I look at those things and there's stuff that, being on social media, for example, which as business owners, it's a, a bit of a necessary evil for us at this point. You know, we're not at a position where we can just have a team that does that for us and we barely touch it. Uh, being on there, there's times when I want to say things and put things out and I'm hesitant to do it because I'm like, what's what's the value, first of all, of putting this out there? Are people, who am I going to piss off because, one, it's being read in text right. and taking taking it out of context in that way is real easy to do, right? How many people are going to screenshot it 
and never let me live something down that I was wrong about or that I, you know, I had some sort of a misstep or I, I whatever, I was misinformed and then parroted something out, you know, unknowingly. So I certainly reserve myself from putting things out. Not that I would put a lot out on social media anyway. Uh, that's just, I don't mm-hmm. really enjoy it. But I look at that as someone who is pretty outspoken in person, face-to-face with pretty much anyone that I would engage with. And I'm hesitant with that. I can only Mm -hmm. imagine someone who has a lot of apprehension around challenging conversations in person and those sort of things, and then looking at what happens on the internet and on social media and people just being ostracized and destroyed on, on, uh, you know, on social media platforms for saying something or doing something or thinking something or even just being involved in something like, I didn't know what this was. And you're like, oh, you're a fucking racist. Like, am I? I didn't know I was, I didn't know that eating this chicken sandwich here was a racist thing. I was just hungry. You know, right. and, and obviously I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole, but it's, it's also not untrue. No, and we not. all know yeah. it. Everyone knows it in the back of their mind that there's, there's real risk yeah. To being honest and open and like fucking up on well, yeah. social I mean, media. You, you mentioned like things living on forever. You know, you do something when you're 13 and then it comes back to you 15 years later when yeah. you try to get a job. And that's the that's the big thing for young people right mm-hmm. now. And we've talked about it as parents, how difficult it, this is going to be with raising especially two young girls. Because from everything that I've read and understood, it's far more negatively impactful for young women than young men it's still negatively impactful for for young men but to another level for young women and it's going to be a behemoth of a thing that we have to deal with at some point and even though our kids don't engage with you know computers and social media much now not even a whole lot of tv they're just not generally on screens a lot as they get older they're going to be exposed yeah. to it more and more, well, even and if it's, it's not within our home. And it's difficult to interpret social media because most people put their highlight reel up on social media. Mm-hmm. So they're not putting the days where they feel like they're struggling as a parent or they're having a mental health issue or their business isn't doing well. Sure. You know, nobody's saying like, hey, my business is failing, you know, just thought I'd put that out on social media. Like... Most people, and I know, would add, I would add to that that there's also not a lot of, for the most part, and there there are certainly exceptions to this, but there's not a lot of people putting even risky content or information out there where they're they're saying like let's have this let's have this difficult conversation yeah let's have this thing they're like, either, not they're even either that they're avoiding wrong it or, or they're doubling down big time on it and they're owning up like a thousand percent to it. So there's like a business coach that I follow who is into like kink sex and she has doubled down on like and it has nothing to do with her business coaching but now like that's a lot of what she talks about hmm. is just how that she's on these kink sites and that she uses to, like and not judging but that is a risky thing not necessarily a failure so it's, it's a little off topic I guess but it's it is she's doubling down on like bringing in people that will still respect her even though she's talking about this, yeah, you know, there's off. a risk of alienating yourself from people, and there's also the reward of connecting on a with deeper right level people, with, with people, people right. with people that understand where you're coming right. from, or at least just appreciate your honesty. Yeah. So I'm seeing like I'm seeing more of that where 
people are like becoming very vulnerable on social media and they're saying like I was a heroin addict or yeah. I I like having Absolutely. you know I like having sex with three women at a time and a man watching and you know so like there are there's definitely that that I'm seeing um there and I don't think that's the norm No and you we also have to remember you know in our conversation with with uh Chase last week we talked about the the circles that we yeah. fall into and so if we're exploring being genuinely vulnerable and authentic in front of people, whether that's person to person or via technology on social media or emails or whatever, yeah. then you're likely to look to more people that are also doing that same thing. Right. And while I would agree that I am seeing that sort of stuff more frequently, people who are interviewing other people and, and around tough conversations, our friend Sean Pastuch just uh, had a young woman on the other day, and they were they had a, a, on his podcast, and they were talking about just racism uh, in general as a topic, mm-hmm. and and you know there's people doing things like that. Yeah. Like let's have this tough conversation yeah. in a way that's like that's not pandering. That's, yeah, I, I'm gonna ask some real questions because I'm I'm ignorant and confused, and instead of you yelling at me for being ignorant, Educate. what I'm asking you to do is help me learn. Right, and the problem is is that by and large, outside of that small sample size of examples uh, of people that are being authentic, that are being vulnerable, that are asking risky questions and trying to learn from their either misunderstanding, misinformation, or failures, the amount of people doing that is very, very small. Mm -hmm. And many of the people that are doing that are people who, I don't want to say there's no risk involved, but they've gotten themselves to a certain point, personally, professionally, whatever that is, where their risk is relatively mitigated, you know, and so you you look at someone that's not that person, mm-hmm. and they have a lot more tied up in who they are and the perception of other people on them, yeah. and what what does this mean for my job if I say some stupid thing that I didn't intend yeah. to be offensive to anyone, but now all of a sudden the internet's mad at me for being offensive, and now I lose my yeah. job, and those sort of things are happening too, and I think that feeds into when you're offline, it feeds into a deeper fear, fear of failure. Everyone's going to know what I did. We're all so connected. They're going to see mm-hmm. that I made this mistake and they're going to think less of me. Yeah. And so now we don't try anything. And mm-hmm. you see progress stall both on a personal level, personal mm-hmm. growth level, as well as a culture, as a society. Yeah. We start to, to backslide. And it makes me wonder if a lot of the things that we've seen, especially in the last year or so, with and even longer with you know cancel culture non nonsense and with bigger seemingly bigger divides in between political sides between races between genders between um sexual proclivity like whatever we see Mm -hmm. all these divides happening it almost feels like we're regressing Mm -hmm. as a culture and is that the result of people not pushing boundaries and not risking failure by saying like hey i let's talk about let me learn because this is what i think right now i'm going to tell you honestly what i think right now i think that this type of person is there whatever the thing is and prove me wrong and to your point there's some people that are yeah that are taking that path but i would i would imagine it's not the average bear 
right? Yeah. Most people are like, look at my vacation, look yeah. at my beautiful kids, look at my dessert. Well, and, you know, we've switching a little bit, we've talked about, you know, trusting yourself and being able to consistently hold yourself accountable and prove to yourself that you're able to do that so that you become more comfortable with bigger choices or bigger risks. So I think this like boils down to day-to-day things that people are either uncomfortable doing and they're trying to do, whether it's go to a gym or eat healthier, like little, I'm talking like daily choices that maybe we're trying to push a little bit outside of our comfort zone and that we're not holding ourselves accountable enough for consistently. So then we look at these bigger choices and they seem so far out of reach or so much risk because I can't even eat a goddamn vegetable when I told myself I would. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, it comes back to, you know, we've talked about habits and many things on this podcast before, but looking at, you know, a lot of times people look at their lives and they're like, okay, I'm failing. I'm overweight. I'm unhealthy. I don't have the job I want. I don't like, they look at all the things And they categorize it just as I'm failing, right? And if we break it down into, you know, little areas where we could focus, then it becomes a much more manageable thing. And, you know, when we, if, you know, when you do look at that big picture, it becomes something that is too far out of reach. It becomes something, you know, so I think coming back and changing things slowly, picking one thing can lead to the big thing. Just like the small thing you did on social media can lead to the negative thing down the road for you. So can these positive things, mm. you know? So. Yeah. It, it, but it, and with that being said, I, I agree. And I like, as you started to talk, you actually said the word habit before I wrote it down, but this idea of failure as a habit. Um, but I do want to make sure that I, I touch on another quick thought here unfortunately one of the things that we do one of the challenges that we do have to contend with and it's just a reality of our species is that we are we are naturally more attuned to notice negative mm-hmm. and to notice danger and failure failure is perceived as danger to human beings if i failed on the hunt we don't eat mm-hmm. if i fail to find a, a suitable mate and procreate we don't live on. Right. The, like, so, and I, obviously that gets stretched out into current day, present but day. But some of those now, archaic, like, ideals or, you know, value, whatever they're called, you know, they're still here. Absolutely. A woman that's has a, a that's difficulty. Yeah, a woman that's has they're difficulty in, getting pregnant today. There's still some judgment. Well, and they're ingrained. My point is exactly that, that they're ingrained in us. Yeah. And that the way that our limbic system works and our subconscious works is it doesn't necessarily differentiate between I failed at hunting the woolly mammoth and I failed at being able to eat healthy food that I can just go to the grocery store and buy, right? They're both failures and they're both something that could potentially alienate us from our tribe, from other people, from a communal grouping. We're social creatures. Mm -hmm. We do require connection, meaningful connection with other people. Mm-hmm. And in order to have meaningful connection with other people, you have to be valuable in some way, shape, or form, hopefully in multiple ways, yeah. right? If you fail, you 
can tell yourself, you can create the story that you are less valuable, thus creating the fear around failure, whether that's a failure of survival Mm -hmm. or a failure of getting the right job or whatever it is right now that you're, that you're after. And circling back to the habit thing, what popped into my mind as you were talking is much like anything else, you're, you're going to build a tolerance for certain things. So the value of this idea, this concept of failing quickly and failing often is that you're actually creating a habit of failure. What's important is that you learn and adjust each time because what's not valuable is to fail in the exact same way repeatedly forever. And that goes back to when you talked about failing in moments as opposed to big, larger failures. That's where those things, if you're actually seeking out uncomfortable situations, seeking out ways to potentially fail regularly, then you have those opportunities. They become more frequent. Yeah. Um, and if you find comfort, if you can find the ability to to go in, maybe comfort's the, the wrong word acceptance. here. But, but yeah, but if you can find acceptance in small failures, I think this goes back to what you're saying, shifting rather than saying start with small habits and build expose yourself to small, logically inconsequential failures mm-hmm. more yeah. often. And the more you do that, the more you can build up a potential for resilience against failure in and of itself. Mm-hmm. The more you can be tuned in to the awareness of learning from a failure. That doesn't mean that failure is not going to happen. It's how strong you come out on the other side. No, it's absolutely going to happen. You're going to fail. There's no way that you go through life and don't fail, right? And my point is is choosing things that are real low risk mm-hmm. and low reward, right? Like eating one healthy meal every day is good. That's a great place to start. You're not going to turn your life around doing that on one day. Right. Right? You may make some significant change if you eat one, if you're going from someone who never eats healthy to eating one healthy meal every day and you do that for six months straight, you'll probably yield some relatively significant changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is you're in those six months, you're definitely going to fail. Not definitely, but there's a high likelihood that there's going to be a day where whatever, you're sick, you're on the road, whatever the excuse is, but you don't eat a healthy meal that day, right? So now you've failed at that thing. The same way that that single day, that single meal on that one day was not going to shift the outcome of your overall health in any major significant Mm -hmm. way, the failure is also not going to shift in any major significant way. So if you can build up your capacity to cope and accept those little failures, then you can start to take slightly higher risks and start to build up tolerance to failure around that and then slightly higher risk Mm -hmm. and then slightly higher risk and you do a lot of those things initially within kind of a a more private setting right there are things just like within your life at your home that you do it's not really a public thing Um, and, and maybe you share what you're doing a little bit along the way to start to bring in a little bit of that recognition hey you know I know you talk to clients about this idea of saying like, hey, I'm working on this, right. uh, help hold me accountable sort of thing. And right. now you're, you are exposing yourself to 
public criticism around your success or failure with whatever the thing is. Yeah. And hopefully you're doing it to not... initially like to friends. Like yeah, you send a text it's... to five yeah. people. Hey, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I move my body for at least 30 minutes in like a, a break a sweat intentional kind of way every single day. Right. Do you guys want to do this with me? Help hold me accountable. There's a little bit of social pressure there if you do fail, but it's not the same as necessarily announcing it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, and, and even if it's not criticism, even if it's just someone says, hey, how's that thing going? And you have to say, oh, I didn't I, do it. I didn't do that. You know? And yeah. then just having to live with yourself. Yeah, criticism probably wasn't the best word, but opening yourself to just people when I meant critique, like them being able to see what you're doing and, yeah. and, and take yeah. it from there. But it's similar to many things that you would want to build up in your life if you want to get stronger it's not about doing you know the world's most intense strength training program for a day or mm -hmm. a week it's, it's a slow acclimation period where you're going to start to do some strength training build some foundational movement patterns and mm -hmm. skills get a base level of strength and then we start to increase volume and intensity a little bit we, and we keep moving these things up and you adjust that moving target as you get better and better same thing with failure start with things that are low risk low reward and then recognize when you stand back up recognize when you miss that healthy meal on that one day and then the next day you you get yeah. right back after it so now you can say well you know that failure wasn't really that big of a deal then you elevate the risk and the reward mm -hmm. of your next attempt at whatever you're doing. You fail there because on a long enough timeline, you will, right? Then you the same thing happens. You, oh, you know what? I wasn't happy about that failure, but it wasn't the end of the world. I was able to stand up, move on, recalibrate, and, over, and yeah. move forward. And mm -hmm. then we just continue to ascend the risk of whatever it is that you're embarking on, the risk of failure and the risk of reward, mm -hmm. right? both of those things continue to increase as you go by. And the goal being over time, you've accumulated enough willingness and resiliency around failure that you don't want it. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure I point that out. Mm -hmm. We're not suggesting that you should go out in search of failure intentionally, right? That's not necessarily what we're encouraging you to do go out in search of success, understanding that failure will be a part of that. And I think that's a, that's a really new thing for me, relatively speaking, to wrap my head around. Because I had so often taken an approach of, if I don't know that I'll be successful, however I define that, with this thing I'm about to do, then why do it? Mm -hmm. Right? And almost having this ridiculous mindset that failure won't be a part of it. And that it's just going to go the way that I wrote it out on the whiteboard. Right? <laughs> it's just going to go yeah. according to this plan. And the likelihood of that happening is next to nothing. Right? It's And so we start to build up that understanding of that relationship and that dynamic between success and failure. And we start to do it with things that are that are not going to be all that painful when we learn that lesson at first, especially for someone who's really paralyzed with fear and anxiety around trying something new or being embarrassed. I mean, you, you and I know from years of owning a gym, how many times there would be like 
from the outside, what seemed like a non-event, someone said something or something occurred in a class. And next thing you know, we find out that a client was mortified by it. Mm -hmm. And you and I are kind of confused and dumbfounded as to why this person was so mortified about something that almost no one even noticed. Right. You know, we didn't even know it happened. Oh, I, so someone, I dropped this thing and it made a loud noise. And like, okay. Like, or, you know, I, my, my thought immediately went to years ago in our first space when we had a, we had a woman uh, putting one of the rowers away. And she, like, backed herself. Instead of pushing the rower toward the wall and then tipping it up the way it's stored, she got herself between the wall and the rower and pulled it and was pulling the rower up and, like, trapping herself. For those of you, like, as you're listening, if you can imagine, this woman's trapping herself between the wall and the rower. And it was me leading the class. And if we were, you know, we were wrapping up, the class is over. She was putting stuff away. And I just watched her for, like, a minute. And then when we caught eyes, I, I, I looked at her I'm like, is that thing kicking your ass? And she just kind of smirked and giggled a little bit. And I said, and I was like, you got to be smarter than the rower. And that was it, like busting her chops. I don't even remember who it was. It might have even been a, a longer term client. The thing that was really funny about this story is that we got a really negative review as a result of that interaction, not from the woman that I was joking around with from another person that was in the class. And it was this scathing, angry review about how I embarrassed and belittled this woman in front of everyone and that I was wildly unprofessional and all these other things. And I'm reading it, I'm like, I don't even know who, like, why are you so offended by this thing? But it's, it's weird to me mm. that, that we have that, but it does exist these sort of non-events where it's like you're afraid of this sort of public embarrassment or this shame that you feel because you think someone else is judging. I, like, and I don't even know where that yeah. one, how she got there, but that does happen where people mm -hmm. are, you know, they're in a spot where they're just not tolerant of any sort of risk. They're not tolerant of any sort of failure. And then they, they lash out at someone or themselves. Yeah. And, and they just kind of, huddle themselves in a corner and what's interesting and i've been here i do it personally that inaction the vast majority of the time if not all the time ultimately results in failure so you have the and option less action going forward correct so you have the option to either act on this thing whatever it is right. to change your relationship change your job change your health whatever you have this opportunity to act on it and you might fail or you could do nothing, and you'll definitely fail. Yeah. Because it's not going to change. And it, it's a testament to how strong our pull is toward familiarity. How much our ego wants to keep us in what we know versus the unknown. Because on paper, you write that out, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Just at least do something. Because then there's an opportunity for success as well as an opportunity for failure mm -hmm. by not doing anything you're virtually guaranteeing failure mm -hmm. so the logical answer would be to act yet many of us myself included have a really hard time doing that it takes a lot of work and even when we do it 
-hmm. We slide right back to inaction. Do it for a little while, slide right back. And it's a really interesting phenomenon that I think is pretty common for most people. And it comes back to recognizing that your ability to feel safe and to feel comfortable, we'll say, is based around familiarity with what you have. And as soon as you step away from that, you get a little, little anxious about mm -hmm. it. And we want to jump right back into what we know, even if what we know is not necessarily a good thing for us in that Absolutely. moment. So, um, yeah, and failure is, is a huge piece of that. So any other thoughts that you have before we start to wrap this up around failure, fear of failure, openness to it, um, maybe we... a personal story or something like that about how failing at something has helped you get better at it? Uh, I mean, owning owning our businesses over the last 10 years has taught me a lot about being vulnerable and, and having to shift and constantly change and grow and learn. So, I mean, this was a realm that I was not familiar with. It's not what I went to school for. So, it, I mean, yeah, that's been huge for yeah. me. Yeah. I think within that, this is what I'd like to leave everyone with. Uh, I think within that we experience a lot of this is, is three things that we can work on. All of us, the collective we, can mm -hmm. work on in terms of increasing our acceptance and comfort level with failure and our openness to failing. Mm -hmm. The first one is try something new. Mm -hmm. go, get, go get guitar lessons. Go start playing pickup basketball at a local park that you've never been to before. Mm -hmm. Go, you know, whatever whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. Sign up for a course on an interesting subject that you're just curious about, that you don't really know anything about. Mm -hmm. um, so trying something new and really sticking to it for a while because you're going to definitely fail, <laughs> especially if it's truly new. The other thing that when you brought up um, the business the second and third thing that I wanted to share is talking about your failures with others. So mm -hmm. talk, especially with people who are quote unquote low risk relationships, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that's your spouse, your parents, friends, siblings, yeah. right? Having conversations openly with people about your failures or where you feel like you're failing or have failed mm -hmm. can do a couple things. One, you vocalize stuff either uh, saying it out loud or even writing it down can often help to kind of clarify it and it can help you personally to sift through what is nonsense, what the chatter in your own mind is telling you that may not actually be accurate mm -hmm. when you start to, especially if you're talking to someone that knows you really well and you're like, I'm feeling it, this, this, and this. And then they point out, I see where you're coming from, but you also did this and this and this yes, and these yeah. things all. So it helps to balance your perception, mm -hmm. because again, I want to bring it back to, especially when it, when it pertains to ourselves, we are keenly attuned to being able to notice faults, failures, things to be afraid of. Things that aren't you, going you know. well. Yeah. And a lot of times it takes a, an external voice mm -hmm. to hear what we're saying, recognize it, mm -hmm. and, and see where it's coming from, but then also be able to give us a different perspective. So talking about failures with others it doesn't have to be on a podcast it can just be over a coffee with a friend um 
And then the last one is asking for help with the lessons. And so I think those last two, really all three of them mm-hmm. do pertain to our business and things that we've we've tried new things. We've spoke, spoken openly numerous times about our failures and we have asked for help. And yeah. many times we've asked for help. I'm here to say, and we didn't take the lessons. So we had to ask again and yeah. again and again. So... Well, that's where accepting some responsibility, too, and creating a different plan going forward comes into play. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's looking to people that are doing the thing you want to do or have some degree of success within it, talking to them about their challenges, asking for help for where you're at right now because no one got to where they are without failure. Yeah, I was just going to say, stop assuming that people are where they're at because they got there easily. Yeah. yeah. So those are our three tips for inviting more failure, more opportunity, more lessons into your life and being a little bit more accepting and comfortable with it is try something new and choose the appropriate level of risk and reward for where you're at. If you're someone who is a bit more uh, risk averse, choose something that doesn't have a huge, a lot of weight one way or the other. Cook a new recipe. Right? If you're <laughs> someone who is really open to risk and you, you have a pretty decent relationship with it, go a little bigger. But still try something new. Get yourself out of your comfort zone um, and explore where you can find failure and where, what you can learn from it. Uh, the second one, talk about the failures you're either in the middle of or the ones that you are nervous about in the future, or the ones that you uh, have experienced in the past with other people. Again, I'm going to reiterate with that. Make sure it's someone that is a it's a safe relationship, someone that you feel comfortable enough that, that they're not going to use anything that you discuss to kind of further hurt you or make your life more difficult, because that's just going to make you hold back on what you actually say to them. Right, mm-hmm. if you inherently are uncertain as to whether or not they'll be receptive or uncertain as to whether or not they'll be supportive. So talk about your failures with other people. <clears throat> and then ask for help with the lessons that are presented to you as a result of failures. You start to feel stuck, you need something, ask. And that might be a coach. You know, it might be a business coach, it might be a mentor at work, it also might just be a friend or a family member might just be someone that you know has had success in a certain area. Maybe you're just starting a health uh, journey in terms of whatever, weight loss, being more active, and you have a friend who you know, started that a few years ago and they've really turned their life around. Ask them. Ask them about the lessons they learned and talk to them about what you're going through and how you can learn from, from the position that you're in at that point. Cool. Melissa? Thank you so much. Yeah. Always appreciate chatting with you, my love. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know if there are specific topics or guests that you'd love to hear on here on the show. We are always open to those things. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you all for sticking around and listening to our episode on failure. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast 
and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with all of the latest interviews. Now go out there and fail forward.